Well, good morning again, church. So good to see all of you. We're so glad you are with us today. As it's Baptism Sunday, we've got baptisms happening at the end of service today, which is going to be a lot of fun, and we're so grateful to be able to participate in that. Before we dive into our message, though, uh, this morning, I do just want to mention one thing. Obviously, Easter is coming up. It's a big Sunday around here. Uh, Last year, we had over 1,500 people that joined us on Easter Sunday. We normally have two services. We're having three services. And what that means is one of the areas uh, where we actually could use some help is in our kids' ministry area. Obviously, when we're having more uh, services, more opportunities, it's more play, uh, opportunities to serve. And, uh, and there are many of you that serve already on a regular basis in kids' ministry. We're just challenging, would you be willing to serve maybe one or two services on Easter? If you've never served before, or maybe it's been a while since you've served, would you be open to maybe leaning in this year for Easter so that someone else would have the opportunity to hear about the hope of Christ? And so we're asking for, hey, somebody's excited about that's great. Uh, but we would love your help with that. And so we've created an opportunity a pathway for you to be able to do that just for this Sunday. Out in the lobby, that direction, okay, right to the side, there's a table uh, that has a bunch of opportunities for all three services. They're listed out very clearly. Hey, this is what it would look like to serve in that area. And I'm just challenging, would you be willing to step up and say, hey, this year I could help out for one of those services to be able to lean in so that other families and parents could be able to worship together. Can you do that after service for me? I appreciate it. All right. Well, this morning we are in week three of a four-week series as we are walking through Psalm 23, as we're looking at this very, very well-known psalm together. And uh, this message, next week, just a heads up, we've got Micah Mack, who's going to be sharing next Sunday. Uh, He's got a message he's really excited to share with us. So we're going to take a pause for one week, and then we'll wrap up Psalm 23 two weeks from today. Uh, But the message that I've got for you today is a message that every single one of us needs in our life. This is one of those things we all face. And honestly, at some point in your life, and maybe even today, this could be a lifeline for you. So I believe God wants to speak to you. So if you've got your Bibles, would you open them to Psalm 23 as we're going to look at that together. You can take out your phone, take out your Bible, whatever it is, turn there to Psalm 23. And while you're turning there, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to stand together and read our text together. We're only looking at a verse and a half today, um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the entire Psalm 23 as we've been doing it every week during this series, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You just put your hands over your heart for a moment as we pray today. God, I, I pray as we, as we listen to your word, as we hear from you today. God, I pray every single one of us would get a fresh revelation of who you are. God, that we would look past the circumstances of today and we would see you. And God, it would transform us. It would transform the way we live, the way we think, the way even we respond to you, we pray. We ask that in your name, everybody said. Amen. You can be seated. 
Well, I'm going to play a little game here this morning. Anybody ever played uh, Would You Rather? Anybody play Would You Rather a little bit? Okay, you played that game before. Okay, uh, if you don't know how to play that game, I'm going to give you a little testing. Uh, what what's going to happen is I'm going to give you two different things, and you have to respond which one you would rather have, okay? Everybody has to answer every question. You, go, you don't get a choice. You've got to pick one or the other, okay? Here's the test. Try one. Would you rather have a Coke or a Pepsi? How many would have Coke? Raise your hand. Put your hands down. Who would choose Pepsi? Okay, all right, all right. That. That doesn't do anything for us, but that's the, that's the trial one, okay? So now you got to answer every single one. Would you rather, next one, would you rather win the lottery or lose a job? Raise your hand if you'd rather win the lottery, okay? How many would rather lose their job? Some of you don't like your job. That's fine. I get that. A couple of you, I knew that was coming. Okay, next one. Would you rather have a trip to Hawaii or a trip to the ER? Trip to Hawaii. Raise your hand. Okay, trip to the ER. Okay, no one, I didn't think, well, no, see, the, the, the middle schoolers just keep lifting their hands up. Like the next one, would you rather fall in love or fall off a cliff? Some of you are like, your love life, I don't know. So how many would rather fall in love? Okay, how many fall off a cliff? Okay, a couple of you crazy people. All right, I, I, I don't know about some of you all, but, but for the most of us, I don't think there's any surprise here because naturally, none of us like bad stuff. Like we like the good stuff. We like the stuff that, that's positive, the, th- the stuff that's enjoyable, the things that we enjoy in those ways. But, but I would say this, if I was to ask the question, how many of you at some point in your life have dealt with something junky, something hard, something you did not like? My guess is every single hand would be raised. I say it all the time that, that in life, you're, you've either just gone through something hard, you're in the midst of something hard, or you're about to go through something hard. That's just called life, Right? We face this on a regular basis, and the passage and the message that we're going to look at today, I think, is one that will meet us in those moments. Psalm 23, just a reminder of the overview of this thing. This is a psalm of David, David who was a shepherd who knew what it was to have God guide him through any and every season. And back in week number one, we talked about this idea that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, right? That's his desire in our life. Week number two, last week, we talked about the idea that he refreshes my soul. And if you missed that message, I was mixing up Mountain Dew and milk last week. So if you missed it, you got to go back and watch that one because I know God had something for you. But David continues to describe what it's like when the Lord is our shepherd. And he continues in the next section that we're going to look at in this passage by, by using these three words. It says, he guides me. He guides me. This is one of the primary roles of a shepherd. It's to guide the sheep, to guide us. If you're like me, you're you're probably thinking, well, I'm okay. Like, I don't really need somebody to guide me. I'm a big boy. I can take care of my own life. I can guide myself. Like, I've got this. I've got things under control. I can take care of myself. But there's something that's true of sheep that I think can be true of us as well. This is what can happen, that sheep have a tendency to dig ruts and to carry on mindlessly. What do I mean? They will literally keep walking to the same field over and over again to feed. They'll go to the same path. If nobody guides them, they'll just keep doing the same thing. Even past the point of eating everything there, there may be nothing left to eat, but they'll keep going back to the same place, and ultimately they'll starve themselves if they don't have a sheep that guides them to the right place. And it's easy to think, what stupid sheep. <laughs> How many know we do the same things in our lives? We can mindlessly go through the motions, do the same things over and over and over again, not realizing that this thing is actually 
killing us. I'll give you an example of it. I'm sure there's things in your life that you do you don't even think about. How many of you have ever, you know, after, uh, after work, you've driven home after work, or maybe it's late at night and you drive home late at night, and you get home and you realize, I have no memory of the drive I just took. You ever had that happen before? It's a little scary when you have that thought. Like, I, I don't think I consciously thought of anything in this commute at all. But it's not just drives home. We do that on a regular basis. There's things that are like, I'm not even thinking. I just do it. We get into ruts in our lives. And there are moments, if, we don't, if we're not aware, if we don't recognize God needs to guide us, then we will allow ourselves to fall into the trap of doing the same thing. And we could be dying and not even know it. Jesus confronts this in Revelation chapter 3. There's a passage where he's talking to one of the church. He says, you say, this is what you say, because this is what you think. I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize, you've gotten in the rut, and you don't realize what's going on, that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That can happen in our lives. So this, this is the reason why we need a shepherd. We need a good shepherd to guide us, okay? And so as you look at Psalm 23, it gives us two ways that he guides us. The first is this. He guides us, number one, along the right path. He guides us along the right path. How many of you like hiking? Anybody like hiking? Okay, some of you like hiking. How many of you ever been hiking in the mountains? You ever been hiking in the mountains? Okay. I love hiking in the mountains. This past uh, January, we had the privilege of taking our family to Arizona. Amber's got some family out there we were able to stay with and spent a bunch of days. And we warned the kids like, hey, guys, we're hiking, okay? <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Suck it up, children. We're going out every day and we're going to hike. You know, you know, if you got kids, you just got to warn them ahead of time what we're going to be doing. We took them on some long hikes and it was so much fun. There was this one particular hike that we took. It was called, up this thing called Wave Cave Trail. It was this beautiful thing. You take this hike, and it was actually, it was a hard. That was what it was listed as, a hard trail. And it was. The end of that thing was like straight up the hill. It was a lot of work. But when you got to the end of it, here's the picture of where you were at. This is this, it was a rock formation in there, in this cave. It would look like a wave. It was super cool, okay? But there was something interesting on the path up to Wave Cave, is that the path was actually relatively challenging to find at times. It was hard to see the right thing because you get walking, and if you didn't pay attention, you're like, well, where am I supposed to go? And there were times like, it feels like I should go this way, but in reality, no, it was over there. It, it was a bit challenging. And what they, what they had done is that they had put little arrows on the rocks. They had spray-painted arrows on rocks, everyone. And what you had to do was actually pay attention because there were a few times where we started going, like, I don't see any arrows. Like, let's go back. Oh, nope, we're supposed to go that direction. It's a little difficult. And when it's difficult like that, it's, it's challenging to find the right path. So what we had to do is we had to trust the people who had gone before us. And this is what it means to follow our shepherd. Because there are moments in your life where it doesn't make sense to your eyes. Like, it doesn't feel like that's the direction I should go. But if we are going to follow the good shepherd down the right path, we have to listen to him. Because if there is a right path, then there is also a wrong path. How do we find out what the right path is? Well, I just think about it. Oh, I think God would be like this. I think God feels this way. But no, 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 no. It's not what do you think. It's what has God said. What has he spoken? Do we stand firmly on his word? That's the challenge. Are we willing to follow the good shepherd who has spoken to us and led and guided? And you're like, yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't speak specifically about every single topic. You're right. There are some issues that aren't perfectly addressed, but there's a lot that are. 
in the shaping of who we are, it must be submitted to the good shepherd who is calling us. He wants to lead. He wants to. You're like, I don't know where to go. He wants to lead you down the right path, but you have to be willing to listen to his ways, and you have to be willing to submit to his ways. That's the part that's hard, right? There's something about submission. I want you, you may need to write this down. Submission isn't submission until it hurts. Till it's uncomfortable. If it's not a little uncomfortable, if it's not a little painful, that's not submission. That's just doing what you want to do. And there are times in life where like, yeah, I'm a good person. I just do what feels right to me. That's great. But if you always feel that way, then I would bet you're not actually following Jesus or you are way more sanctified than the rest of us are, okay? You're just so spiritual. Because guess what? Sometimes when Jesus commands me to do things, I don't want to do it that way. Like that is totally in conflict with what I naturally want to do, the way that I think, the way the world thinks. Like it's a challenge. But he wants to guide us down the right path. The question is, are we willing to submit even when we don't want it? Even when I say, God, everything in me says this is the right way, but you say this, and I'm willing to submit anyways. I choose to follow you. He wants to guide us. Will we let him? The second thing, though, is that he wants to guide us through the darkest valley. And this is where we're going to hang the rest of our time here this morning, through the darkest valley. How many of you have been there in your life? (laughs) The darkest valley moments. I think so many of us have. You know the moments I'm talking about, the moments where you're like, God, what in the world is going on right now? Like, I don't get this, God. Why? I don't get this. I don't understand. I'm not happy about this one, God. Are you listening at all? You have those moments? Those moments of frustration? Those moments of anger? Those fr- moments where you just don't even know where to turn? You feel isolated? You feel alone? Maybe you're better than I am, but I have had those moments in my life. Those moments, those dark valley moments that just feel so difficult to walk through. And I know there's some of you right now, you walked in the door this morning, you are there right now. The only reason you walked in the door today is because you're in the midst of a dark valley and you don't have anywhere else to turn. I know the stories of people in our congregation. It breaks my heart sometimes to hear the stories of what God is leading people through, what the challenges that you are facing around here as a church. And it's just a challenge. But it's easy to think this. It's easy to think that if something bad happens, if we're walking through a dark valley, then I must have messed up somewhere. It's very easy to think that. Now, first thing we have to understand is this, is that Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. If it's a promise of God, then then you should just like, okay, all right, I shouldn't be surprised when I walk through something hard. Like when something difficult comes, it shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. No, this is a reality of every single one of us living in a broken, fallen world. There will be times of troubles and trials that every single one of us faces. But I think there's also a misconception that Jesus tried to attack and and confront that we still have a tendency to believe. And it's this. Some of us believe this, that blessings in our life mean we must be righteous, right? If everything's good in my life, that must... God must love what I'm doing. Everything in my life must be great. I must be totally in the center of God's will because everything's great. I got the money. I got the job. I got all this stuff. That's what we can believe. 
But at the same time, we can believe this, that if we face hardship, therefore, we must be unrighteous. I must have messed something up, God. I must be unrighteous. I must have failed. You must be mad at me because I'm going through something difficult. And Jesus very intentionally tried to break this down to say, no, this is not the reality. Because there are moments in your life where you can be doing, getting all the blessings in the world, but in reality, you are in complete opposition to God's desire for your life. And in the same way, there are moments where you can experience absolute hardship, and you are exactly where God wants you to be. You want an example? Look at Jesus hanging on a tree. Perfect, righteous in all ways. Perfection embodied. In the center of God's will while he hung lifeless on a tree. See, it doesn't always work out the way that we want to. It doesn't work out the way we always think. We can follow our shepherd on the right path and still face dark valley moments. Sometimes those dark valley moments that we face in our life, sometimes it's of our own doing. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the midst of something I don't want, and unfortunately, this was my choice. <laughs> I put myself into this position. We've all been there before. Like, ugh, regret that decision. Okay? But there are other times when it's not our doing. Sometimes it's not our doing. Sometimes just the circumstances of life, something has done, someone has done something to you that has put you into a dark valley moment. Or some circumstance in our world, there's some change in the economy that has put you into a dark valley moment. You didn't have, you, you're like, I did all the right things, and yet I'm still in this moment. But you also need to hear this, that sometimes it's God who guides us to the dark valley moments. See, dark valleys aren't always, sometimes they are, but they aren't always bad. Because there's something about shepherds and sheep. Sometimes a good shepherd has to lead sheep through dark valleys to bring them to new green pastures. Like, oh, I want to get you sheep up there, to the green pastures up there, because that's where I want to take you. But the only way we get there is through this valley. It's the only way we can even get there, okay? And so I know that when we face dark valley moments that there's two options. One of those options is that we can get bitter and angry at God and we can turn away from him. And my guess is there's some of you in the room who've been in that place. You might even be in that place today. That's a choice we have. How are we gonna respond to the valley? But I would just simply bring to you today that that there's another way to respond to the valley. It's to recognize that the valley, even if it doesn't mean we have to like it, because <laughs> most of us don't like the dark valley moments, but there still can be a blessing there. And if we can choose to see it in the right light, then God could actually produce good from the pain and from the heart, okay? And so what I'm gonna do here, you might wanna write these things down. There's three things I'm gonna, I'm gonna list here. There, there are ways that a dark valley um, can really be a positive encouragement in your life, okay? The first thing, dark valleys can be a season of refocusing. A season of refocusing. When, when everything gets hard, when it feels like all hell has broken loose in your life, that is a moment oftentimes when you get to step back and say, okay, what really matters here? What's really important in my life here? Because we can get so distracted. Remember, we mindlessly go through the motions doing the same thing over and over again, killing ourselves, and we don't even realize it. But when you get into the valley, suddenly you get a little perspective for a moment. You get to refocus a little bit, and you remember, you know what? Maybe I've gotten off course in a few places in my life. 
When you get into those dark valley moments, a lot of times you are reminded of your desperate need of God. Because in life, a lot of times we walk around, I don't really need God. I'm good. Everything's easy. No problems. When you hit the bottom, you're like, God, I need you, right? I realize that I thought I had it under control, but I don't. I desperately need you. And if you can allow those seasons, those challenging seasons to get us back to, God, help me refocus on the things that matter. Help me let go of the stuff that's been distracting me in my life. God can produce some good in your heart and in your life through it. But it, it can not only just be a season of refocusing, but it can be a season of refining, refining. A season where God can chip away at some of the things that maybe wasn't able to be chipped away when things are going well. You see, crushed, broken hearts are fertile soil for God to work. And maybe he wants to do a refining work in you. Dark valleys also can be a season, just like I said, a season of preparation for you. God wants to take you to a different place, but he's got to do some work in your heart first. And if we're willing to submit our hearts to the good shepherd and say, God, maybe you need to refine me a little bit, then God can do something even greater in us, okay? The last thing, though, we use, these can be seasons of refocusing, refining. Possibly most important is seasons of revelation because there is something in the character of God that's hard to understand until you've literally walked through hell with him by your side. Anybody who's done that can tell you and testify to that reality. You can know the goodness of God up here, but until you've walked through hell and you've seen him be faithful to you in that, man, there's a revelation of his goodness that is just so much deeper than you could experience any other way. Like, I wish there was other ways but the seller moments create intimacy like no other way can, right? You see it happen in relationships. You see it happen if you can walk through a hard season with somebody, there's a deepening of your relationship with them. The same thing is true of God. And when you look at the text, I love what takes place because up until this moment in the text, uh, David has been referring to God in the third person. He, 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 you get to verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's an intimacy that's experienced in the valley that we don't experience anywhere else. Doesn't make it fun. Doesn't make it easy. But it's a reality. I can testify in my own life of how true that is. Okay? This morning I want to share a story that helps speak to this a little bit. Uh, there's somebody in our congregation who's, who's walked through some challenging seasons himself and and I'm going to have him share. Can you give it up for Luke Lieski as he joins me up here on the stage? Uh, Luke. Hello. What's up, man? So glad that you are here with us. I've known Luke for the last four years. Um, but uh, before I met him, there was a story and a journey that he got to walk through. And as, I, as me and Amber were talking about this, I'm like, Amber, help me with some stories here. Amber's like, you've got to have Luke come share a bit of his story. And I think this is a story that can encourage you because every single one of us are walking something. And your journey might not look like what Luke walked through, but, but in the same way that God impacted his heart, I believe he wants to do that in your life. And so, Luke, why don't you just share a little bit about, of your story? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, uh, my story is one that I think just parallels this, this psalm so well. Um, I think in the first part of it, you know, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
and you know, I think my my testimony is one where I tried a lot of different shepherds, um, especially through high school. Uh, I decided to move away from home at 16 and play hockey in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, not with really my faith in a great place. Um, I came here, you know, I tend to discover, and uh, what was discovered now is Zoe. Um, sat in the second row every Sunday, knew all the things, great family, you know, they always taught me the things, but my faith was not my own, and, um, you know, if you can imagine 40, you know, 16 through 18-year-old boys on the road every weekend, on the bus, in hotels, no Christian influence, like, I wish I could say I was an influence to people, but I wasn't, I was being influenced the opposite way, and, um, you know, I put my value in how I played, and I didn't play very well. <laughs> it was it was a really hard season where I just, for whatever reason, just, you know, was failing over and over again, and because I was failing, um, and that's what I put my value in, I did not have a lot of value in myself, and so then I would medicate, and, um, you know, with boys at that age, and, and, you know, not really having something else to turn to, and not knowing who my shepherd was, I would turn to porn, and so... You know, when I would have a bad day and my value was low, I would turn to porn. And so when I kept failing over and over again, that vicious cycle would just keep coming. And then I would feel guilty and then shame. And then I'd be back here in the summer and then I'd be in the second row. And I know what I just did was wrong. And, you know, just not really knowing who my shepherd was. And so then um, that kind of continued and hockey didn't really work. And I, I pretty much just stumbled into Bethel. And it was a huge God thing. I think I signed up for classes like the Thursday before classes started Monday and um, that year at Bethel, my freshman year, I just, I, I played hockey there, but again, I just, I knew how wrong what I was doing and that cycle was, so I just kept pushing people away. And it, it's, it's something that's kind of funny, we laugh about it now, but my friends that knew me freshman year always talk about freshman year Luke and how he was too good for everybody. And really what that was, was me pushing people away because I didn't want them to know who I was. I didn't want them to know who and what I did and what I continued to do, and if they knew that, then there's probably no friendship there, right? So it was just this horrible cycle of that. And so in that kind of continued into sophomore year, I had quit hockey that year um, and just decided to stick at Bethel, and I love the school, but um, just kind of at my lowest at that point of like just not knowing who I was, not knowing where I wanted to go, just kind of doing the next thing that was available to me. And, um, you know, I... I thought it was cool to, um, you know, be a double major. Like, one of the things I loved at that point in my life was, you know, gratification of others or um, being accepted by others. I think that was probably the homeschool in me growing up of, like, having friends or being accepted by a large group of people was pretty cool because we didn't really have that growing up. But um, so I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll double major in psychology and marketing. I thought that was cool. I thought that'd be good. And so in between that, I was studying one day. And kind of where, like, the concave of your collarbone is, where that's supposed to go down, it was going up. And there was a lump there. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I use the parallel, too, of, like, sweeping things under the rug and sweeping sin under the rug. Eventually, there's going to be a lump there. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, I think that was kind of a parallel to the, what we eventually found out was cancer. And, um I, uh, I didn't want to say anything, but my mom made me go in, and our, our doctor called it right away, and um, I saw my scans, and it turns out I had cancer here, a four and a quarter inch mass right next to my heart, and then more cancer underneath my armpit, and being perfectly healthy in my mind, and, and then seeing those scans was just, uh, it, was, it was really jarring. It was just kind of one of those moments where it was like, man, I, I don't I don't, I don't have this, you know, I, 
I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to go. And and, um, I just remember God just meeting me in that moment. And I remember the, the morning before my first chemo, just like sitting on the edge of my bed, just like, I don't know what to do here. And I, I need you, and <laughs> I know you'll be there for me, and I, and, I, and I know that you're with me right now. And you talked about moments where, you know, like you, you look back on, and you just, like, you know, like God's with you in that moment. And that's one of those moments I look back on of just, like, God just meeting me where I'm at and, like, God becoming, like, my shepherd that I didn't have before that. And it was not an easy road, you know, like we, you talk about just because you're, you're, you're feeling blessed or you have blessings in your life doesn't mean that um, life's going to go better for you. Even if, you know, God is your shepherd right now, there's still a valley you have to walk through. And so for me, that was um, originally stage two cancer is what they thought. Um, and I went through eight treatments of, uh, of chemo. And, you know, a lot of what I put my faith in at that point in my life was just slowly dismantled and just slowly pulled away. And God just kind of continued to put himself where I used to put my faith and put himself in areas of my life that I just, you know, I didn't know he could fulfill me in, a, in that way. And just day by day, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to make it through the day, but then God just continued to sustain me. And I tell, I tell other people that have been diagnosed with cancer, like it's a long road, but just every day he's going to sustain you in a new way. And you like, you know, originally we thought the treatment was going to be eight treatments and, um, it, it's a daunting thing, but if you just take it day by day and let God sustain you for that day, you, you make it through it. And so got through eight treatments of chemo. Um, then I went down to Mayo for my uh, radiation. They took a look at my original scans, and then they saw that the cancer was actually worse at the beginning um, than they originally thought, so it was actually stage four cancer. So then I had to go back and do more chemo, and I think that was probably one of the hardest days just because, you know, we've all heard about how hard chemo is and what it takes from you, and, you know, the, I, did, I wouldn't eat usually for three to four days after, like, full meals. So, you know, you lose your hair, you lose your energy. You know, sometimes standing up just makes you nauseous, and so you just have to, you just have to rest, and, and that was something I was not good at, you know, and that was another thing God taught was just, like, I, I need you to be still, and so... Um, yeah, those, those last four treatments were really tough. I and mean, having to be told you have to go back and do more was really, really hard. Um, but we got through it, and um, my, my mom and my now wife were with me through the whole way. And, um, and then I went through uh, 15 treatments of radiation, and, and, and I got through that. But, yeah, it's just it was such a season of galvanizing my relationship with God. And, and no other way to explain the joy I had through that season other than that he was with me. You know, and, and nothing else in my life would have sustained me through that. Nothing else compared. Nothing else mattered. It was just God continuing to meet me where I was at and continuing to just, you know, push me through that, that season of my life. So, yeah. We were talking. Uh, <clears throat> Luke said something that I could resonate with, which was, I, don't, I, I wish I didn't have cancer, of course, and I don't wish cancer on anybody else. But he also said, but I wouldn't have traded what God did in my heart for anything. Yeah, you, you talked about this morning about how, you know, we look back on those seasons and the songs we were singing. So, you know, I'll look back on the altars that I built in, in the deserts. And, you know, now that I've had that season, like the things that I've been so, you know, comfortable or, or capable of doing now and so like confident in because of what God did for me like I just 
I know he can do it for you. I know he did it for me, and I don't see any other reason why we should doubt what he can do. And so, um, yeah, you know, and like you said, just because I made it through that season doesn't mean there's no, not more valleys that we've walked through, and we've walked through as a couple, and we've walked through it individually, and it's been, um, it's been amazing, though, like just how God will build your faith with what he's calling you to do. And he continues to just you know, meet me every morning. And that's one thing that I've, I've practiced now that just, you know, is meeting him every morning. The book you recommended talks about how the sheep need to wake up before the sun so that they can get the dew from the grass and how that sustains them throughout the day before the dew goes away. And I've put that into practice and just, it, it, I can't live without it now. You know, that's, that's, that's where it is what it is. You know, can't do it without him. Thanks, Luke. Can you give it up for Luke? I could probably pass the mic around to dozens, if not hundreds, of you who've had this experience. It might not be cancer. For me, I've had my own issues in life. Sometimes it's been physical with my Crohn's disease. I, I had a moment, Luke talks about sitting on the bed. I've had moments of the revelation of God's nearness and love in some of the hardest moments in my life. It's been issues when it comes to things with our kids, things in our home, whatever we've experienced, we've seen God's nearness in those things. And when you've walked through it, it gives you that thing to look back at. It's like that marker in your story to say, God, I've experienced your nearness then. And God, when, you go, when, I, when I go through something hard, I can remember I know where to turn here. Because the natural reaction in those moments a lot of times is bitterness and anger. But instead of that, God, I say, I know you're with me. I, I might not see it today, but I know that you are with me and I can trust you. So we have our big so what. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? The one takeaway I want you to have this morning is that God doesn't lead us to dark valleys. He leads us through them. He leads us through them. Does that mean everything's going to be roses at the end? I can't promise you that. I can promise you that he is never going to leave you there. Because a lot of times when you're in the valley, you feel like you're alone. God, you've totally forgotten me. Get that feeling. But we can be confident in his word. It was spoken in the Old Testament. It was reminded of in, in the New Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is a good shepherd that doesn't abandon the flock when it gets hard. He is a shepherd that walks closely with you, whatever you're facing. And you're like, but God, I don't know. I don't know if you're willing to stay with me in the midst of this thing. Like even the stuff that we've done in our own lives, right? We screw up sometimes and it's like, well, God, I don't think you're going to be with me because this is my fault and my problem. He says, no, no, no. There's literally nothing that can keep me away from you. If you are willing to invite me, I will meet you. Even in the valleys that you created, I will meet you there. And if you ever question how far God is willing to go, just look at Christ on a cross and you will know there is no distance. God will not travel to meet you, to pick you up, to care for you, and to guide you. He's a good shepherd. We can trust that he is near us. As I close here, I just, I think about my son. He's not in the room, so I can say it. My son, Asher. Asher doesn't like the dark a whole lot. <laughs> Maybe you've had kids like that in your life. Just not a big fan of the dark. Never been a big fan of the dark. And if he ever gets a little scared or something, you know what he wants? Dad, dad. 
He wants me to come in the room. Now, what I've always found interesting in this moment is that I walk in the room and nothing changes. Did I, do I have some glow about me that takes the darkness away? No. But because I'm near, he's not afraid. And see, this is what God wants to speak to your hearts today. In the same way, can I say, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're going to vanquish all the evil and there's never going to be any. No. I will fear no evil even when I have to walk through the hard stuff. I don't have to fear it for only one reason. Because you are near me. You're with me. See, that's the promise that we have as followers. I wish I could promise you great life, everything's easy. I can't do that. But what I can promise you is that the good shepherd will walk with you through the valley. If we will allow him to, that's his desire. So this morning, there's some of you that maybe just need to be reminded of that today. You feel alone. You feel like nobody sees you. It's not true. Some of you walked in and you're struggling. You're a little bitter. This morning's an opportunity to say, God, I confess that to you, and I just turn to you. And God, I, I just want your nearness again. I want to be reminded of your goodness again. We're going to have an opportunity to do that. I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes across the room. Can we just have a moment with Jesus right now? Father, we thank you so much that you are good and faithful to us. We thank you that you are near to us, Lord. And even when we're broken and we're lost, God, we know that you are near us and desire us to walk with you. God, I pray for anyone right now who's just feeling that heaviness. They're walking through a hard thing, feeling overwhelmed right now. God, I thank you that we don't have to look at our circumstances. Instead, we can look to you. But God, I, I know right now there's some people in this room that need, they need to be reminded of that, God. God, they need, they need to sense your nearness again, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Pray that you would bring, bring revelation God, bring encouragement, bring hope right now. God, that we don't think of you from our own perspective. We stand on your word, and your word says you don't leave us. And so we trust in that, Lord. With every head bow, every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you're just like, you know, I'm going through something hard. I just need to be reminded of the, the nearness of God. You just lift a hand, just say, yeah, that's me. I, I need to be reminded of that, yeah. So many of you, Yeah. God, we just pray, God, would you just reveal yourself again? Would you bring your life and your encouragement right now, God? Would you meet us, Lord? God, we trust in you, God. We don't always feel trust, but we choose trust, God. We choose to trust in your character. We choose to trust in, in who you are, not in what we feel. Thank you for that, Lord, that we can have hope in you, Jesus. Some of you possibly this morning with every head bow, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I've never seen God as my shepherd. I've never submitted to him as my shepherd. I just kind of do my own thing. And it says that, that that doing our own thing results in sin which separates us from God. It's this separating from his holiness and goodness, but, but he created the way, he paved the way through his death on a cross to allow us to have restored relationship, to allow him to lead us and to guide us. And if you're here this morning, you would say, I need the good shepherd. I need to, to live for him. I need him to save me. I need to submit to him as my shepherd. If that's you this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to Christ. 
He wants to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, but we have to be willing to allow him. If that's you this morning, you would say, I want to submit to Jesus. Would you just lift a hand across the room and say, that's me. God, I want to surrender to the good shepherd. I want to submit my life to him. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Several of you that responded. I'm just going to encourage you right now in your heart to pray a prayer as I pray out loud. Just pray a prayer along these lines. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and caring for me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I need saving. And I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that you are the Lord. I believe that you died and rose again. And I confess my need for you. And I confess you as Lord over my life. I submit myself to you. I give my life to you. I pray that you would have your way in my heart and my life. Help me to live following the good shepherd in all things, submitting to your way, not my ways. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen.